Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm KW Taylor. We're still healthy and recording, and we hope this podcast brings you comfort. Follow updates from CDC.gov and your state's Department of Health, and seek out only accurate, science-based, and up-to-date information on the pandemic. But also, if you can, take moments for self-care every day. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay inside, and stay positive. Today, we're going to talk about the Freeform series Motherland, Fort Salem, and the Hulu series What We Do in the Shadows, as well as discuss how our media consumption has changed during quarantine. Before we start, though, KW, if it's okay, I would like to insert a little update. Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, I'm going to do two updates, sorry. But I have been remiss in addressing this mm-hmm. because I'm very proud of you. But you recently successfully defended your dissertation, and you are now Dr. KW. I am. And I would just like to acknowledge that and applaud that so the listeners know that you have made this great accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah, that was kind of, it was a little bit weird because I had to do it on a video conference, but... Yeah, that was that was a little bit ago. And so technically, I'll graduate this spring, we're not going to get to have a graduation ceremony, which is all sad. But yeah, I have, I now have a PhD. And I am an official pop culture scholar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations. Thank you. I'm sorry, I didn't do it a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's okay. Every day is the same. I forgot that it even (laughs) happened. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. But you have you have a even more exciting update about the oh, NWHL. I wouldn't call it more exciting. <laughs> but in our first episode, we did talk about the NWHL, the National Women's Hockey League, which I've recently become a fan of. And this is their fifth season. Well, their fifth season got cut short, obviously. But their upcoming sixth season, they have added an expansion team in Toronto. So I'm very excited about that. I feel like they're very dedicated to the game and to growing it and to making sure women have the opportunity to play it at a high level. So they announced that last week and I was very excited. I just wanted to let everyone know because if you're interested in checking them out, they'll be back hopefully for their season in October. Cool. Is that going to be the closest team to either of us or do they have teams? We are in Ohio and Pennsylvania respectively, but do they have teams in our states? Not in our states, but they have them close-ish. So they're clustered all in the Northeast area. There's the Connecticut Whale. There are the Metropolitan Riveters, who are in New Jersey. I think they're close to the border of New York. And then there's Buffalo Buttes, which is my team. And they're in Buffalo, New York. So they're the closest to me, I think. Okay. That's not actually super far for me either. But but actually, Toronto might be slightly closer geographically so maybe i'll start rooting for them you should yeah we'll have a rivalry (laughs) cool and then there's the minnesota whitecaps and boston pride okay cool yeah yeah so that's very exciting that's neat so but on a different front you've been watching you've been consuming some tv while in quarantine i have yeah so what's this show you've been watching okay so there's this new show on freeform called motherland fort salem and I love it. <laughs> like, I watched the first episode, and I was like, okay, this is a lot to to kind of wrap my head around. Like, I saw some trailers for it, and I had no idea what it was really about, except that it was about witches. And I was like, let me give this a shot. And the first 
episode, I was intrigued, but also a little bit confused. So what I did was instead of watching it week by week, I let a couple weeks go by and watched the next four episodes within the span of a couple days. And that helped me really get into it because the story was more continuous and I, and each episode you learn more about the world. So I'm very excited about it. I like it a lot. Episode six just aired and there are 10 episodes total. So I'm watching it week to week now. And I don't do that very often. I do it with like Bob's Burgers, Mass Singer, but not, not very many shows. So I think you might enjoy it. And I'll try to, I'll try to kind of keep this short, but I am very excited about it. So <laughs> I might get too into it. It was created by Elliot Lawrence. I've watched a few like short behind the scenes things with him. And it seems really interesting because he, he has been working on this project for a really long time, like at least 10 years. it's an alternate history but it's set in the modern day so basically during the salem witch trials the witches stop their persecution by signing an agreement with the u.s to say that they would fight their wars so when witches turn 18 they're automatically conscripted into the army and that has obviously changed u.s history yeah and the title sequence is really kind of neat because you see some moments throughout history, and instead of, you know, George Washington and his men crossing the Delaware, it's a painting of, uh, she's the general of the army, so she's General Alder crossing the Delaware with her witches. So, like, oh. it's a really different world when you get to today. And, I mean, one of the things that I kind of love about it, <laughs> and other people might hate this, but it's like 90% women. So there are not a lot of male characters, and... And they are around, but they don't have huge, huge roles. It really focuses on this culture that's very matriarchal and matrilineal. So there are three main characters. Basically, it's about these girls, Abigail, Tally, and Rael, who get conscripted and they form a unit. And it's, it's kind of like boot camp is where they go to. It's like witching school. <laughs> so the units are made up of three people and they're put together and they have to kind of learn to respect each other and and work together and i'm kind of going to be all over the place and i'm so sorry but there's like <laughs> a lot to talk about <laughs> so one of the things that really intrigued me from the first episode was witches power comes from their voices oh yeah they have like these special vocal cords or something their magic is they're called like seeds and they sing them so they're kind of songs, they're not quite songs, but like they vocalize these sounds and sometimes they are not in the range of human hearing, so you can't hear them, but that's where their magic comes from. And I thought that was just a really on the nose way to give power to women mm-hmm. because they're you're literally giving them power in their voices. And I thought that was really neat. But it also presents an opportunity within the world to take that power away because there have been some attacks on witches and and they actually get their vocal cords taken out. Oh. Yeah, so it's it's partly a gruesome show. It's not like super super gory, but there are some things that it's like, oh, that is uncomfortable mm-hmm. even if they don't quite show it on the screen. Mm-hmm. So like I said, there's a lot there's a lot to love here and every time I go onto a new topic I'll be like, another thing I love is <laughs> So another thing I love is the three main characters. You have Abigail, who is played by Ashley Nicole Williams. 
and she is the daughter of a very powerful and influential military family. So her mom's a high, high up general in the army and she's very, very into the military. She's like, she like knows this is, has been her destiny since day one. So she embraces it. But along the way, she kind of figures out the not so great aspects of that relationship. And honestly, one of the things that surprised me is that they, she and her mom have a sort of tenuous relationship at, at points. But there was this scene where they kicked butt together. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so neat. Because, you know, you don't normally see a woman in her 40s or 50s or whatever kicking butt beside her, like, 18-year-old daughter. Yeah. So that was really neat. And then you have Tally, played by Jessica Sutton, who is a cinnamon roll. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What does that mean? Wait, you've (laughs) you've never heard that? No. What does that mean? Oh, okay. There's a meme from The Onion. It came out a long time ago. Oh, okay. I just must have missed it. Yeah. So it's basically just a picture of a cinnamon roll. And the headline is, beautiful cinnamon roll, too good for this world, too pure. (laughs) So people use it to talk about, like, really pure characters. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, Tally is super sweet. And she sees the good in everyone and everything. But she's really feisty, too. So that's fun. But her storyline, she's the last of her line, which is really important in the witching world. Mm -hmm. And her four aunts were killed in combat. So she actually received a dispensation and she didn't have to be conscripted, but she chose to go anyway. And her mom's very upset with her. And so some of her storyline is like communicating with her mom. Her mom sends her like a battle charm and But then she calls her on the phone and like they get into a fight. So some of it is like navigating that relationship too. Mm -hmm. So mothers are very important in this world. And Tally decides to sign up because there is a terrorist organization called the Spree who are, they weaponize sound. So like the very first thing you see in the series is a woman in a crowded shopping mall. She releases a balloon and the balloon pops and then everyone within hearing range of that of that balloon pop, they jump off the balcony. Oh. Yeah, so somehow they've been weaponizing sound to kind of to influence people to do things, do bad things. So there's this terrorist organization running around and Tally decides that's why she wants to join up because she wants to do, you know, all the good that she can and she thinks it's best to join the military. So she does. And then there's Raelle, who is very prickly. <laughs> She's very flawed. They're all flawed, but Raelle especially, and that's probably why I like her the best. <laughs> so she's actually the daughter of a witch and then what they call a civilian. So it's a person without any witch powers. And her mom died in combat a year ago. And she's very, very... She's still grieving. So when she signs up for the military... Well, I say sign up, but like it's forced, so... Okay, so there are two things that can happen. One, you do really well with your unit in in basic, and then you get to go to war college. And two, if you do really badly, you get sent to the front lines, which is basically an early death sentence. Yeah, but the thing is, you you do it as a unit. So Rael gets there and is like, I'm going to flunk out and go 
to the front lines and basically get myself killed. Like, that's my plan. And Abigail and Tally are like, no, because you're going to take us with you. Like, you you can't do that. So a lot of it is in the first few episodes is them figuring out how to navigate what they all want and getting to know each other. And they really are the heart of the show, which I really, really like because I always love like sisterly relationships. And then you have Scylla, who is not part of the unit. She's not, I would consider her main character, but she's very mysterious. And I don't want to say a lot about her, but she's very morally gray, which I enjoy. And I think there are some really interesting things that are going to come out of her storyline. So so we'll stay tuned. We were going to record this a few days ago before before episode six came out. And I'm actually glad we waited because I got to watch episode six. And so something very traumatic happens in episode five. There's like a big traumatic event. And then each of the girls experiences their own smaller traumatic event. So, I mean, it's only a 10 episode show. So I was pleasantly surprised that they took the whole of episode six, basically, to allow the characters to process their grief in different ways. Like, there was a bit of plot, because you have to keep the plot moving. But at the same time, all three of the girls have different reactions to what happened. And none of them is shown to be wrong. Like, you kind of, you have to process it in your own way. But where you go wrong is when you don't let people support you. So, I'd, yeah, like, I, sorry, I don't want to give a lot away, but I really, really like that episode because it got to explore those those reactions and how it affects their relationships. And so I already said Rael was prickly and she's a, a bit of a hothead and makes very rash decisions sometimes. So she does something toward the end of the episode and... Abigail and Tally kind of have to not save her, but they have to come and support her. And it's just a really fantastic scene. And the cinematography throughout the show is really, really good. There's a lot of good lighting and the score is really good. So when this moment happened, I was like, oh my God, they're, they're, <laughs> they're coming to support their sister. <laughs> like I was really affected by it. Aww. Yeah. So... I I mean, I love the show. I'm very excited to see where it goes in the next four episodes. By the time this episode comes out, our episode, I think it should be the same day as episode nine okay. of Motherland will come out that night out of 10. So listeners, if this intrigues you, I highly urge you to watch it because a season two hasn't been guaranteed yet. And I think it would be great if they got a season two. Cool. But yeah, it's very, it's very cool. It's very deep world building and um, great characters. And oh, I, last thing I want to mention, sorry, I know I'm going on forever, (laughs) is uh, the cast is really inclusive. So you have characters of color, you have characters who aren't heteronormative. And one of the things that was most noticeable to me is they're not like main characters, but there's a lot of body diversity too. So there are some fat characters who, you know, that's just the way they are. And they still get to be really cool and really fierce in different ways. So, yeah, it's very pleasantly surprising all around. So this is on Freeform on cable, or I think it is also airing on Hulu, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. I've seen I've seen commercials for it on Hulu. I don't have I don't have traditional old school cable. 
but I do have Hulu. Yeah. So my advice would be to set aside a couple hours and at least watch episodes one and two together. Okay. So you cool. get some momentum there. Yeah, I think it does look good. I it seeing promos for it, it kind of reminded me of Dread Nation, the novel that we covered a few weeks ago. Okay, so I'm kind of in that in that mood. So this might be yeah, it's Dread Nation meets uh, Charmed. So <laughs> that's yeah, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> cool. So I've been you know obsessively consuming that, and you've kind of been obsessively consuming what we do in the shadows, right? Because season two just came out. Season two just came out. And this also is streaming on Hulu. It's airing on FX on cable. Then it's on Hulu. Now, have you been watching this at all? No. Okay. So what we do in the shadows is based on a film from 2014. Have you seen the film? <laughs> no, I I know of it. <laughs> okay, you know of it. So the original film was from 2014. And it was a New Zealand film. And it's a mockumentary written and directed by Jemaine Clement, who is from Flight of the Concords, um, which was an HBO series a while back, and Taika Watiti, who directed Jojo Rabbit um, and appeared in that film. And so the two of them co-wrote and co-directed the original movie. And it's about vampires who live together, and they're being filmed for this documentary, but it's a comedy. And the film is really, really fun, and I recommend it. But the TV series uh, deals with a totally different set of vampires. So you can watch the, the series without having seen the film. Okay. So the series started in 2019 on FX. And again, like I said, it's streaming on Hulu also. And Clement and Watiti are still involved in producing and, and creating it. But it's a different set of vampires, and it's set in Staten Island. So it's not set in New Zealand. But basically the premise... There's three vampires who are what you think of as normal, like traditional folkloric vampires. <laughs> and they're Nandor, Laszlo, and Nadia. And they're all wonderful. And I'll get into the specifics about them. And then there's also Colin Robinson, <laughs> who is who is an energy vampire. And he is not what you think of as a normal, a quote unquote, normal vampire. He looks like a person in middle management. And he <laughs> he can walk in the day. And he kind of is like a little Dilbert type office drone and then there's also Guillermo who is Nandor's human familiar so he's like their little errand person or their butler or something and he's keeps hoping he'll be turned into a vampire but it never it never happens <laughs> <laughs> and so the the specific vampire characters Nandor is 757 years old and he's clearly based on Dracula he was supposed to be an, a soldier in the Ottoman Empire he's kind of the group leader but he's also really into the Macarena and Olymp Olymp <laughs> Olympic basketball. And he works on becoming an American citizen during season one. Um, he's supposed to be this tough, tough, you know, brutal, brutal vampire. But he's also like kind of the nicest one. He's like really chill and very kind. And he's not very nice to Guillermo, his familiar, but he also he'll sometimes sort of treat him sort of like a pet in a way. <laughs> And he's played by Kaven Novak. Then you have Laszlo and Nadia, who are a married couple. But you can tell that Laszlo is a lot more into Nadia than vice versa. Laszlo is a little bit newer of a vampire. Nadia turned him into a vampire. He was an English nobleman. He reveals in a totally offhand way that he was Jack the Ripper. <laughs> he's <laughs> just kind of chill about it. And all the vampires can can transform themselves. They can shapeshift. But when Laszlo transforms into a bat, he has to yell the word bat first. <laughs> and he just goes, bat! And then he turns into a bat. And he's played by Matt Berry, who's a veteran 
English character actor who's been in a lot of sitcoms and stuff. And he is brilliant. He's so funny. And he's very jealous and, and petty and strange. And then Nadia, his wife, is a Romani vampire. She's older than Laszlo. And she kind of like surreptitiously sort of cheats on Laszlo with this human guy. Who, anyway, oh, no. that's a whole long story that's pretty funny. But she is basically amazing, flawless. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed with her. I think I want to cosplay her <laughs> at some point. <laughs> She's just very like cynical and she kind of does not really she doesn't have a lot of patience for the other vampires in the house including her own husband (laughs) but uh yeah she's just she's just very funny she's got great fashion sense she's just great and then um Guillermo is the the human familiar and he so toward the end of season one Guillermo possibly starts hunting vampires at least vampires that threaten the the main home um and that gets kind of linked into a storyline in season two and Colin Robinson, as I mentioned, the energy vampire, is played by Mark Prochk, who is from The Office. And that's kind of a good analogy that that this show reminds me of The Office so much with its kind of gentle humor that outlandish things happen, but everybody just acts like it's fine. (laughs) Colin Robinson is hilarious when they show him feeding because he looks like this normal, like I said, basic human. But when he feeds, he like bores people. And just kind of drones on about stuff. And the people (laughs) around him just start to kind of wilt and fall asleep. Oh, my gosh. And he will, like, open his mouth and his eyes glow when he's feeding. And he'll do things like (laughs) go to community theater productions. And apparently that's a real good place to just drain people's will to live. (laughs) But the scenes of it's really funny. The scenes of him at his office boring his coworkers, he'll make a lot of dad jokes. And everyone just kind of... (laughs) gets limp at their desk it's really funny (laughs) so that's the thing the humor is really really weirdly gentle and i have told people the fact that i find this show weirdly wholesome even though it's about vampires and there's also werewolves and there's a necromancer character in season two there's there's ghost characters and stuff but there was recently a season two episode that i'm I'm not going to spoil it but it was they go to a super bowl party and it's just a lot of weird, like the, they, they mishear it as a superb owl party. So <laughs> Nadia and Laszlo show up with like, welcome to the owl signs and stuff. <laughs> and then they show Colin Robinson just sitting on a couch, like just talking about Super Bowl commercials of yore. And like all the people trying to watch the game just become little puddles on their chairs. <laughs> They're just like, oh. And so they don't, yeah, they don't actually die from this. They just get really weak and bored and sleepy, which is just so funny. That sounds hilarious. It's really hilarious. The music is really good. They play a lot with like very, very stock tropes of vampires from things like the 1990s Dracula movie. There's a lot of funny stuff. Beanie Feldstein plays a character who becomes a vampire. Nadia turns her into a vampire and she's got a like navigate becoming a vampire and it's there's a lot of really funny weird things with that the the special effects are weirdly good so like when they turn into bats and stuff it actually looks really cool when they show werewolves transforming it's actually really pretty impressive but i think they also get away with a lot of special effects looking really good because they everything's filmed at night and so Mm. you don't really see any little I think that, that that does them some good with the cinematography and the special effects because they can kind of get away with it looking a little strange, but you can't tell that it maybe is a little bit right. TV style CGI. 
there's just a lot of little jokes about, I mean, they play homage to every possible, you know, vampire movie and TV show. There's, there's shout outs to True Blood and Twilight, Lost Boys, uh, Interview with the Vampire, From Dusk Till Dawn, Buffy, uh, Blade. They imply that Wesley Snipes really is a vampire in real life. And um, <laughs> Tilda Swinton is also a real vampire. I can see that. Yeah. So totally. it's, it's just really, really funny. Um, but like I said, it's, it's weirdly wholesome. And even though Laszlo and Nadia kind of have a little bit of a snippy relationship, it's also kind of cute. And I don't know. It's just, yeah, there's, there's things about it that I really, really enjoy. I've had to kind of defend the show a little bit because of it being, you know, very, I mean, it's about vampires and werewolves and ghosts and stuff. So it's dark. Um, and there's, there is only one main female character, which is kind of a bummer, but I think they're kind of trying to make that better. They also didn't have any main female characters in the film. So this is an improvement. And I think that even though Nadia is the main woman, she has such a presence that it kind of makes up for it. But yeah, okay, it's really funny. And it's just a 30 minute show. And there's not, there's just a season and a half so far. And each season only has 10 episodes. So it's a quick little, okay, little thing. So yeah. Cool. Uh, so I have a question. Yeah. Why do they all live together? That's never really <laughs> totally explained. I think that okay. <laughs> there it's a it's kind of like a, a coven or a nest. I mean, there's a vampire trope that sometimes some vampire media will say that vampires like to live together to, to protect each other. And some will say they don't like to live together and they're territorial. So I think in this in this universe, they do like to form little clusters because it's easier. They can share human servants that way. It keeps them safer probably to live together. And I, I think that may be discussed a little bit more in the film, but I don't know that they totally explain it here. It's also weird because the the ones who are the European vampires, they call Colin Robinson always Colin Robinson. They don't ever just call him Colin. <laughs> and they, they act like he's a little bit different because he's he's an American. He's much, much younger and is a day walker. So he can do a lot of errand type things for them too. But mm-hmm. yeah, so in some ways, it's like they don't totally know each other that well. But there's there's implications through the, um, the opening credit sequence shows a lot of old photographs and paintings of them from a long, long time ago. And they do make it seem like they've been a unit for a long time, like even okay. centuries in some cases and at least decades in, in others. But um, the fact that they don't really adapt to modern society is also what's really funny because they've lived in New York since the 1800s and yet they still dress like they're in, you know, uh, in that time. <laughs> they don't really yeah. update their clothing <laughs> very much. So, yeah. Cool. Okay, well, that sounds really funny and i think i'm gonna check it out cool i was on the fence about it but now hearing you talk talk about it has pushed me over it's yeah i mean if you can seek out the film first that's great but it's not really necessary and you could just dive right in so cool great cool so did you binge the first season recently i think i started it right before stuff started getting quarantine-y Okay. So I think I just kind of kept, I'll tell you, yeah, I I finished season one right around the time that we did start going into quarantine. And then when I heard that season two was going to start in April, it was a little bit of like, oh, at least I have that to look forward to. (laughs) Okay, so kind of before quarantine, but does consuming season two play into how your media consumption has changed since quarantine? Like, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's part of my, like, new rotation of stuff I'm actively watching. But because it's it's coming out on Hulu as it airs on FX, I'm not really able to binge season two. So it's coming out okay. weekly. So I wouldn't say that it's 
part of the stuff that's changed my media consumption during quarantine. Would you say that Fort Salem is something that is part of your new quarantine media consumption? I think I probably checked it out because I have a bit more TV watching time in quarantine. Like I would I would have just waited longer, mm-hmm. like maybe until it was on Netflix or something. Yeah. So yeah, that's part of it. Yeah. And it is kind of nice. So Legends of Tomorrow is airing right now, which I love. And Bob's Burgers is, is back. So I really only have a couple shows that I'm following week to week. But it's kind of nice to have those to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, but in terms of things that you're newly drawn to, do you think that your consumption of a certain kind of book or music or film or something has has been altered, other than having more time to watch TV? Not really, actually. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that has changed is I have a little bit more time. I mean, I'm still working, so it's not like I have a ton of time, but my work schedule has changed. So I used to work at 5 p.m. and now I get done at 5 p.m. And my roommate's home, so we've been watching stuff together, which was not really... I mean, we did on the weekends sometimes, like movies and stuff, but we never watched TV shows together, really. Mm. So we, almost every night, basically, we sit down and we, like, cross-stitch and and watch a couple things. So we finished the first season of Westworld, and we're watching this very kind of silly, but... It's something that we love. It's called The Curse of Oak Island on the History <laughs> Channel. And we're on season six. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I know. I know. <laughs> like, that's, I think, the biggest thing that has changed in quarantine is that I feel okay sitting down at the end of the night and going, okay, we're going to watch one episode of Westworld and then two episodes of Oak Island, and we're going to do our little creative projects while we're doing Aww. it. So it's a little kind of relaxing time. Versus I'm trying to cram it in so I could keep up with people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But in terms of what I'm consuming, books, I'm trying to get a handle on kind of two categories of books. One is fantasies that I've like these big, thick fantasies that I've had lying around for a while. Uh And then two is books that my friends have written. Uh So I'm reading one of Amy's books right now. Nice. I'm kind of focusing on those. And then in terms of TV... Not much has changed individually, but I'm a little more open to to shows that I kind of always meant to get around to. Like, I was always like, oh, yeah, I'll get around to Westworld, but yeah. my roommate wanted to watch it. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Cool. You know, what about you? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't know that my TV habits have really changed. Kind of like you, though. My husband is home all the time now, and so we're watching stuff at weird times of the day, like at lunch breaks and things. and. And I'm finding that I'm not watching as much TV in the morning because I'm getting up later and need to start getting to work. <laughs> so that's, yeah, my sleep schedule is totally out of out of kilter. But um, one of my things that's changed that I've noticed is music. And I did a thing a couple weeks ago as a, as a little quarantivity project where <laughs> I went through, I've, because I'm, I'm, an, I'm an old, I have a lot of mixtapes, mix uh, cassettes. Nice. And I decided I only have like one working cassette player and it doesn't, it doesn't really play tapes that well. And also some of my tapes are getting really old, so they're not, they don't sound great. And so I decided, well, I'm going to go on Spotify and just make Spotify playlist versions of my old Bix tapes. Oh, cool. I did that and I finished that and it only took me a couple days, which was kind of disheartening just because it meant <laughs> I was doing it for a long time. <laughs> And so that's fun. And I've been listening to some of those. But then the other thing I've been doing is that I have found that for me, too much listening of quote unquote regular music with vocals and 
stuff, whether it's old or new, I'm getting, sometimes it makes me too sad because it reminds me of the time before. And I don't know. So it's just, so I've been drawn to more and more music, either without vocals or with like non-traditional vocals. And my writing music used to also be maybe a little bit sadder. Like I would listen to a lot of um, the Twin Peaks soundtrack when I was writing. And that's great, but it's a little maudlin. So I decided Mm -hmm. I need something upbeat, but without distracting vocals. So I've been listening to a lot of this one genre of music, which I will talk about, which is called (laughs) Big Beat Electronic Music. (laughs) And it is a form of electronica popular during the 90s and early 2000s. And some of the artists that it's associated with are Prodigy, the Chemical Brothers, Fatboy Slim, Crystal Method, Propeller Heads, Basement Jacks, Groove Armada. I would also put Early Moby and even Underworld in there too. And it's just like a really, like, very, very repetitive. It's kind of like Acid House. It's kind of like Jungle and Drum and Bass, if, if listeners are familiar with those styles at all. It's kind of like rave music. But the thing I like about <laughs> it is it's really, really, like, it pumps you up. It's like slower tempoed, but it's also very energetic. And mm-hmm. it's very loopy. And it just goes in like these electronic loops that then build on each other and get to a break point. And there are vocals, but they're often just samples of like old soul and funk records from the mid 20th century. And it's just, I don't know, I wouldn't necessarily say it's quote unquote happy music, but it's not unhappy music. And I just like that it's a little bit like it, like I said, it's, it's, it's good workout music. It just kind of pumps you up and makes you feel like, yeah, I'm going to dance and I'm just not going to worry about it. And I like this. I've always liked this kind of music, but I, I've been like, kind of obsessively listening to it (laughs) so that is really interesting i'll definitely check it out yeah i mean there's some sounds interesting there's some songs in that genre that did break out into pop hits probably the biggest one is a song called the rockefeller skank by fatboy slim which has a very distinctive chorus to it and he also had another song that has a a music video with Christopher Walken dancing. I remember that. You remember that one? That was yeah. Weapon of Choice. Okay. And that that did chart on like the modern rock and dance charts and stuff. So that's that's a really good Weapon of Choice is actually a great example of this music genre. So it's very okay. it's very surreal and silly and just kind of fun. So I think that's the other like overall surreal, silly and fun are kind of my what I'm into while we're in this weird stage. Yeah. I'm reading a lot of very pulpy thriller novels and nice. So yeah. But stuff could change. I think that the thing that's neat about this time, if we can say that anything is neat about it, is that it gives you <laughs> well, it gives you an opportunity to explore stuff. I've been doing like coloring book pages and knitting and you know. Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to make sure I do something visually creative too. So I cross-stitch a little bit. I am trying to whittle wood. Oh. But it's uh it's 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 difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the best 3D artist. So <laughs> But it's fun. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. I totally get that. Yeah. Cool. Well maybe we will check in with each other in like another six weeks and see if it's changed at all. Yeah. Again. Yeah. I think I think quite possibly. If listeners are doing anything kind of different during this time, we'd love to hear about it. 
Mm-hmm. And next time, we're going to talk about some more great pop culture topics. We're securing some awesome guests for the next few weeks. So stick around. Some We've got some interviews already recorded and ready to go. We're soliciting some interviews. We're working on that. So, so yeah, we've got some fun stuff cooking up. Mm-hmm. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you'd rather email us, you could do that at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. <laughs>